He said he was on his way to a convention in Spokane. He knew everything about me. Gerald Craig was my roommate. He drowned on a rafting trip on the Snake River. I was there, Don. I tried to save him. Knight to King's Bishop Three. Welcome to Twin Peaks Rewatch on the Idle Thumbs Network. I'm Chris Remo. I'm Jake Rodkin. This week we are discussing the 25th episode of Twin Peaks, Wounds and Scars. As I've started to say now that we're this far into this thing, it may also be known as episode 24 where you're watching it. It may also be known as season 2, episode 17. Um, it was written by Barry Pullman and it was directed by James Foley, a new person I don't know if we need to get into this far into the thing. Yeah, probably not. It first aired March 28th, 1991, and not very many people watched it on TV. (laughs) So on this episode, Harry is sad, Annie comes to town, and the pine weasel endangers itself. Once again, this episode stars Eric DeRay. (laughs) First first credited name after the canned credits. But this episode also includes uh, Heather Graham, Mm -hmm. which was... A thing that I remembered, but it couldn't. I did not remember how late she showed up in this show. Me too. That this because there are five episodes left of the entire series. After I this. know, isn't that crazy? <laughs> this episode, I think the most notable thing about it for me is that it represents the point at which my memory, my memories return. Yeah. As far as sort of like mid late season two Twin Peaks, like the stuff that starts in this episode with Annie with Major Briggs and the Log Lady. That's the stuff that I actually remember yeah, as same. being the my, post, post-Leland Twin Peaks. My brain just glossed over, like, all... I mean, I remember the stuff with James and the woman in the car. Yeah, I remember But I remember that, that folded in with this stuff. Me like, too. I remember Wyndham Earl, James, the car, Miss Twin Peaks, stupid Billy Zane, Heather Graham showing up. Like, all of that stuff. I didn't even remember Billy Zane at all. I remember I just remembered that... I remembered his name associated with the show, but, like, it's funny, but because, because my brain... Like, my memories are able to sort of slot back into the track of Twin Peaks. This episode, I don't think is good. I didn't really no. enjoy it. But it felt way more like mainline sort of yes, early season exactly, two Twin Peaks exactly the correct than the case. sort of lost years it's, that we've had in the last, the last couple of months. highs are lower than the recent, than like some of the moments recently, but it has fewer lows. It's just kind of more average Twin Peaks yeah, I feel across like, the board. I feel like we're back to sort of like right after... Like, we're in, we're at about uh, the worst that it gets in the middle of the first half of season two when Leland is still alive, but when things are just stupid. Like, that's what it feels like to me <laughs> right. at this point. Now. Yeah, very, very little of consequence actually happens this episode. Yeah. I don't know. That pine weasel gets loose and bites people. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> so this episode starts with uh, a hilarious, like, jazz music montage that I guess represents... Harry Truman's interior thoughts. Yeah, the slow motion strobe of like Henry remembering Josie as he's like spinning a bar glass around Mm -hmm. in the in the bookhouse, which I guess is just the like the Twin Peaks library. I don't understand that. Yeah, because at the end of the episode, there was just the guy in there reading who gets knocked out before that woman starts taking her clothes off. Yeah, I've I've never quite understood what the bookhouse is. I don't really get it either. It's like a it's like a hipster bar. Like the bookhouse (laughs) would be a bar in Portland. Right. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I don't, I don't understand what it's actually supposed to be as an institution. Uh, and that's what we're dedicating this episode to. <laughs> what is the book house? One of uh, our producers, Chris Ramo. Do you want to talk? Do you want to talk about just all that Harry stuff? Because there's not, I don't think there's very much to say. 
it, yeah. it's kind of nothing for a while. I, I, I sort of enjoyed how ridiculously Harry Onkin was playing, playing it toward the end where he's I don't, just I don't going think, bananas. I don't think Harry Onkin has ever actually had like he's. I don't think he's tasted alcohol before. <laughs> Wait, the the man or the character? Oh, sorry, Harry Truman ha- pro- clearly has. But what's the guy's? What's the first? Michael guy's? Onkin. Michael Onkin, not Harry. Yeah. yeah, I don't think Michael Onkin has actually tasted. I don't think liquor has touched his lips. I don't think he's been drunk ever, based on the way that he acts. Drunk Harry Truman. <laughs> it's like, I mean, it's just cartoon dry. It's like, well, yeah. I, I mean, I guess by that measure, he's also never been angry or distraught in his right. life because. <laughs> What he's just like a happy, effusive sheriff man earlier in the show, I guess it plays to the only way that he knows how to deliver lines of dialogue, which right. we hypothesized earlier and was probably apparent earlier, but it is now yeah, the I proof looked, is here. I After this episode, I actually looked up the actor to see what he's been up to since then. This guy hasn't gotten roles, like, at all. It was it was kind of a bummer. Like, he, he has showed up in almost nothing, but like four things post Twin Peaks. Uh, so maybe we've discovered why he's not a good actor, yeah. but he's he's a great sheriff pal to hang out with Dale Truman. <laughs> Dale Truman, what's wrong with me? <laughs> everyone's everyone's name is, is either Harry or Truman. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see if this trend continues later this episode. <laughs> Josie Truman. Yeah. Um. He wishes. So the <laughs> Yeah, that's written all over the police blotter. <laughs> In margins with little hearts around yeah. it. Yeah. He's drawing little pictures of drawer poles with faces with, with smiley faces and hearts coming out of them. Yeah. There was a lot of stuff surrounding this thread of of Truman just kind of going bonkers that was pretty silly to me. There the early on he's sort of r- ruminating. He's saying, "Oh, it's a pretty simple town. Used to be guess the world just caught up to us like which by now i think might be underselling twin peaks i'm pretty sure at this point twin peaks is way ahead of the world yeah. in terms of fucked up twin shit twin peaks used just to be go- a normal place like you know 5 or 6 years before this happened when a man was killed in a boating accident instituted by a hong kong mob as part of a tr- <laughs> transcontinental or like pancontinental right. business nefarious business backstabbing <laughs> remember those simpler times yep uh, and then, uh, when there was a cross borders cocaine ring, mm-hmm. another thing I thought was, was pretty poorly pitched was, uh, Harry trying to like drop some truth about Josie to Truman and just really, you called him Harry now. Oh Cooper. my God. <laughs> yeah. I know what Cooper's also, she was Lodge. a prostitute. Like, oh, okay. Twice. Yeah. She's a hardened criminal, a killer. What? Like, what is the, what? It that doesn't like, justify his feelings, one. And two, that is obviously not the case. Right. Well, yeah, one thing, it's just like a weird thing to be, like, shouting at your friend. The woman that you loved was a whore. Like, thanks, yeah. thanks, yeah, Cooper. Thanks. Like, what? What is, what is the point of that? Also, it just seems totally at odds with how, like, the context of the crimes she committed, which were generally acts of desperation or the result of intentional and direct manipulation. Like, I'm sh- she obviously made some bad choices also, but like calling her a hardened criminal, a killer seems to be maybe overstated. Yeah, it feels slightly. like Josie's I, life is actually just to get beat up by people and to try and 
scrape together what she can out right. of an impossible scenario. Yeah. That's not... Yeah. yeah. It seems really devoid of compassion. A hardened criminal Cooper. is the person that she shot, the person that she was married to, <laughs> and um, that person's family and the business associates who tried to kill her multiple times. Like, those are the hardened criminals. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. So don't... Like, oh, it's, it was inf- that was actually kind of infuriating because yeah. it also didn't feel true to Cooper's character. That yes, he would, exactly. That That's what like, I mean. Just so you rubbing, know. It, rubbing it in his face? Like, like what? Yeah. No. Yeah. Ugh. It was silly on both counts. Yeah. Twin Peaks has continued extreme problems with women and their place in relationships relative to men. Uh, Which is a bummer because it started out really well, I think. Yeah. But season I mean, two it started is, out a lot better than been a it is now, certainly, yeah. Uh, and then and then Harry replies with this just like get out of here go in this gruff <laughs> yeah that just, that just does like a fade to commercial it 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 was more like a so that one like three seconds of uh, a video was more like a soap opera than maybe any one moment I can remember on Twin Peaks that isn't the satirical soap opera like it's just the his like overplayed overdramatic anger and then the weird just fade to black. They screwed it up. They, 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 they. What that dialogue was meant for "Invitation to Love" to be playing on a TV in the background while oh, Cooper man. and Truman just stare oh silently at each other. God. But they couldn't afford those actors because their careers took off in a way that uh, that Ankeens did not. <laughs> that would have been. That would have totally, maybe not redeemed that scene, but it would have. It would have been a guy in the background of the TV going, "She's a whore. She's a hardened criminal." <laughs> that would have been so much better if they were just sitting there, like kind of glaring at each other, and that was kind of in the background, and it just cut in the middle of one of those sentences. <laughs> that would have been amazing. If the guy, if the guy, have... if the guy invitation to love had punched the the Cooper surrogate right. in the face, and then yeah. it cuts the commercial. Yeah, yeah, sure. Fine. I mean, like they wouldn't have redeemed this episode as a great <laughs> episode of Twin Peaks, but it would have been entertaining. That would have also just been a deflection uh, of the exact same thematic problems, but at least it would have been clever about it. Well, that's fine. as the person who came up with that idea, I'll say that would have been more <laughs> clever than what Twin Peaks, the uh, show on national television, did. <laughs> um. Yeah. You want to talk about Wyndham Earl and all that stuff? Oh, also, what was the deal with Josie? Only weighing 65 pounds and then Cooper being like, I don't know, maybe something to do with what I saw in the room when she died. Like just what? The rest of her <laughs> weight. If you weigh, if you pull that drawer out and weigh it, it weighs the rest of Julie. Uh, right. of, of Julie, it- what is happening to me? <laughs> what is happening? All nouns are gone. Yeah, proper nouns. You're ruining it. What is going on with me? Josie. <laughs> Josie's <laughs> the last time Josie got a physical is all I was saying. Is 65 pounds plus the weight of that chest of drawers uh, that has her face in it. So that's what happened. I was thinking, is it like Bob weighs exactly Bob? Like, (laughs) Bob weighs a hundred pounds. I don't know. No, I mean, 80 pounds. And then cuts to someone on Jeopardy um, saying, What is Bob? And the question was, What weighs 95 pounds? Or this thing weighs 95 (laughs) pounds. Who is Bob? Yeah. That's also on, on a TV in the background of that scene, but they cut that as well because Trebek wouldn't do it. Too bad this entire episode didn't also exist in parallel through weird uh, television metaphors. Yeah. Um, <laughs> all right. So anyway, Wyndham Earl. Wyndham I guess Earl all, that is- stuff, all that stuff we were just saying about like, oh, she weighed 65 pounds and the, all of the – she's a hardened criminal. When I think about it, actually, this episode has a lot of stupidity when it comes to – stuff being stated in kind of the dumbest most direct possible way that like overplays the 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 liter- the connections that maybe 
should be implied or in some cases right, like, fatuous or like, like whatever. Okay, and, we, we saw her fade away and disappear and, t- and her face turned into a uh, like doorknob. Yeah. Probably don't need to yeah, really need to get really into like, that too much more. Instead, yeah. be like, what I saw, like Cooper's saying, maybe it's what I saw in the room. Instead, maybe he should say, I saw Josie kind of fade away into yeah. light and turn Why into are you wood. Being coy about it? And then I saw Bob. Like, that's what you should say. Yeah. I'm not weird that she weighs something else. Like, no. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Hmm. Could it be related to this impossible thing? Yeah, could it be that I saw a vision of a, like, dancing little man and a known murderer? That little man weighs 65 pounds. It was his ashes <laughs> that they weighed. His ashes weigh 65 pounds. <laughs> anyway. Josie is uh, hollow. It's a fiberglass yeah. cast of Josie. The real Josie is still on the lamb. <laughs> so anyway, the reason I brought that up is because the Cooper, I'm sorry, the Wyndham Earl, my God, <laughs> we have a disease, Jake. The Wyndham, uh, the Wyndham Earl stuff. Winston Evans. <laughs> starts off with him just giving this like totally over, just. Oh man! This this isn't a move. This is a trick. He's playing a stalemate game. Were you Cooper f- doesn't know the meaning of stalemate. He's getting help. Just shut up. And then Stop he starts talking beating already. the crap out of Leo with yeah. the flute. Okay, yeah. so <laughs> was and then playing the flute. Okay, that was the thing. Is that it shows it shows that like beautiful establishing shot of the country road, and I was like, oh man, Twin Peaks establishing shots game has like actually upped. Yeah, it's true in season two. But then the flute, flute music came in. I was like, oh no, it's gonna be Win- uh, Wyndham Earl playing. I almost called it Winston. It's gonna be Wyndham <laughs> Earl playing the flute. Son of a bitch! And then it cuts and he's not playing the flute, <laughs> but the music was just in the background. I was like, oh, that music's in the background. Gross. And then at the end of the scene, he picks up the flute and just starts playing along. <laughs> But then it was redeemed again by him just beating the shit out of Leo with yeah. it. Mm-hmm. Wyndham Earl. Okay. Wyndham Earl's arc in this episode seems to be him just traveling around Twin Peaks disguised <laughs> yes, as various hilarious caricatures. I know. I know. But that's actually my – this has been my favorite Wyndham Earl content so far. Like mm-hmm. not – okay. He was dressed as a weird biker and he was talking to Shelley. And glaring at Cooper. And glaring at Cooper. Him talking to Shelly, he that actor that plays Wyndham Earl sucked, but the actress who plays Shelly actually like was in pretty good form this week. Mm-hmm. But um, Wyndham Earl's conversation with Donna as the as the false doctor was actually like I thought that scene was actually really good because it agree. was the first time that Laura Flynn Boyle's had a chance to actually act against someone in a long time, and like it just it was it was because James what just doesn't count. <laughs> yeah, she never she doesn't get scenes anymore. Yeah, like the last time she had real scenes was with. Oh my god, I don't remember if it's Howard or Harold. 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 <laughs> what is going on? Um, if you're wondering whether or not the cast of Twin Peaks has gotten too big and too interchangeable, this episode reveals that it is, in fact, <laughs> definitely that is the case. Um, but, I don't know, like, that scene actually was creepy in a way that, like, old Twin Peaks stuff was creepy to me, mm-hmm. where it was just this weird masked predatorial behavior and like which was which i would say was i wish the music was different in that scene yeah i know yeah it was it was so over the top but uh but it was also one of his only convincing disguises yes uh also it just looked like pete when when that scene opened i i was glancing down at my notes to just write something down from whatever the previous <laughs> scene was like, and i looked case. up and i was like is that pete is this like a pete stand that's, that's pete in pete stump double what is what? it is robed chest master attire yeah well i i was like is he dressing up as pete because of the chest thing is he gonna like what i was oh, really man. confused i was like what is yeah. this meaning something no no, no that, it's that, not he's just old guy that scene was really good and then the thread that it followed through when doc hayward yes. gets the thing from donna great. and he opens up the thing and he's like the genuine concern yes. that he experiences and he, and he was just like oh that God. makes the whole thing seem so much more sinister yeah yeah because like he 
he's kind of been seeing the aftermath of Earl and for him, it actually is like, we're like, Oh, from his perspective, this is actually genuine because all you've had to deal with is one insane crime scene right. and a bunch of ominous overtones. Mm-hmm. And now this, a guy has come to your house and talked to your daughter. Like mm-hmm. that's actually genuine. Yeah. From his perspective, like we've been sort of overloaded with Wyndham Earl for what, like six episodes now yeah. of just like goofy nonsense. But yeah, to this guy, He's just a weird. What if Wintermel had not killer? been on camera at all until that doctor showed up and talked to Donna, and that was the first oh thing he showed up? Like, God, right? that would be so good. Just skip those last four episodes of Fun Peaks. Yeah, if we didn't see him sort of capering around with a flute all the time. <laughs> I guess that's true. I guess it's impossible even to skip previous episodes because this one starts with them going. Cooper doesn't know the rules. He's cheating. Like he's cheating. He's yeah, chess. I know he's cheat. <laughs> murderer, serial murderer, annoyed. That law enforcement officer cheats. Like, what? Also, he's not cheating. Isn't the whole point? Like, wasn't the whole point? I would say that the rules of chess don't involve murdering a human being whenever you lose a piece. piece. So maybe the rules are a little fungible. Maybe Cooper's playing with Twin Peaks house rules, which is you investigate the murderer. I mean, I just think it's, I just think it's, it's all, the whole thing is just kind of dumb. Yes. Um, it's funny that that Ben Horn comes over to see Eileen Hayward. I don't remember what where that goes. That was mm-hmm. Ben Horn, right? Yeah, that was just yeah. like, you know, we've got five episodes left. Might as well just sew a new little thread yeah, in yeah, here. Yeah. Um, well, do you want to? Sorry, go ahead. Oh, just sorry. I was trying to remember what the Shelley stuff was that I liked, mm-hmm. and it was, um, when Norma and Shelley talk about how Shelly should enter the Miss Tweaks Twin Peaks contest. Yeah. And Shelly just does an impression of what a beauty queen does. Oh, yeah, that does. was good. And then it's like sort of dances out of the room. Right. And then she she sort of dances over into Wyndham Earl, and I think the energy from that other stuff carries carried over. over. Yeah. The other thing is the uh, plastic ice cream cone that Norma was polishing up when uh-huh. Shelly came back to work is now installed above the oh, soft yeah. serve machine. <laughs> That's pretty good. So ice cream continuity. Mm-hmm. Way to go, Diane Keaton. Nice. Way to go, Twin Peaks uh, continuity managers. Mm-hmm. I was happy to see that ice cream cone. That's all. Yeah. Uh, speaking of the double R, we get a, just a scene where the log lady comes in and touches Major Briggs' neck, and then they go to the sheriff's department. Yep. There's not. I, there's nothing to say about this, right? At this point. No, it was just ominous overtones. Like I was, as always. I'm glad when old characters end up meeting each other and just can have an insular conversation right. yeah, that's yeah, not yeah. involving any of the new half baked stuff. But mm-hmm. at the same time, their conversation is about the new half baked stuff, so that made it a little <laughs> more true. tough. Yeah. Um, I was waiting for Cooper to like take the symbol, like the radiation symbol that was on Major Briggs and yeah. the peaks that, that the log lady had, and just draw them on top of each other. And that didn't happen, and I was I was disappointed. <laughs> what to point out that they both have triangles in them? What's the point of drawing those two things on a chalkboard? Yeah, oh yeah, I, I, I didn't understand why yeah. they <laughs> they erased that lovely map of Twin Peaks that's been up for this whole season. Yeah. <sighs> Uh, there's the whole Ghostwood, Audrey, Dick Tremaine, Wheeler stuff. Yep. I, there is. They're really, really playing that Audrey and Wheeler stuff pretty hard with the sort of like cute talk over each other, nervous energy. That was terrible. Yeah, it was really bad. They talked over each other to the point that you couldn't actually hear anything that yeah. was said. Well, they, it also, they also went on so long that they kind of ruined the effect of like, oh, I'm gonna, oh no. Oh, right, it was just they just. just uh, uh, I'm giving my lines and I'm going to finish and, uh, read all my lines until I'm done. Blah, blah, blah. Oh, did you say something? Like that—that that was about. I thought, I thought you were saying something. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, I don't know. This whole thing is so boring to me. Also, I mean, just as a further example of their lack of chemistry to me, his singing to her was almost painful. Like, he doesn't have the sort of deep cowboy voice that right. he's playing it as though he's like lonely cowboy, you know, out on the range. And here's his song that he sings to himself when he's herding cattle or whatever. But like, but it's just kind of a reedy, nothing dude you voice. That's just, yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Someone needs to make a, a, a Twin Peaks supercut. That includes all instances of any characters singing anything and overdub them with the just you and I song. <laughs> Musical interlude that's Cooper on his like on his duck call. Yeah. No one's ever <laughs> sung a song to me before. That's the end of the clip. Co- Cooper just blowing the duck call just does a little guitar like <laughs> for a moment until he's done. Looks at it pleased. <laughs> Scene ends. Yeah. Anyway, no one's ever sung a song to Audrey before. Yeah. That was also just a stupid line. Just all right. Um, there's the Ghostwood fashion show. I, what, what a hilarious thing. Lucy and Andy as lumberjack people. There are a few things, though, in this episode that were better than Dick Tremaine referring to, I guess, Lucy's outfit as saying, hey, world, I'm here. Just Dick yeah. Tremaine's, like, <laughs> incredibly uh, yep. proper sort of elocution enunciation stating hey world pause i'm here was incredibly enjoyable to me i that in a in a in a world of twin peaks in which everything sort of all total consistency is just thrown to the wind and anything is fair game at any moment dick tremaine may be the character best positioned to exist in in this world without breaking yep whatever established tone has been set for the moment that is Born out in full by the Pine Weasel demonstrations, <laughs> man. Who is played again by by that guy by David Lander, the actor who plays the salesman of the wacky robotic chair for Leo? Oh man, I didn't catch that. Yeah, same guy playing a different character. I looked it up. He's not playing. He's not just playing. He's not supposed to be. He's the not g- like yeah. salesman for hire, the always weird, wearing like, loud jackets. Guy. Yeah, it's yeah. instead they just put him in a loud jacket again and had him mm-hmm. do something wacky. As like again, feeling like a weird like sub lynch appearing in the show kind right. of like yeah. i don't know i didn't mind that guy i thought he was just fine who's whatever i don't really have anything and then just a really bad sam raimi happens when I know. that when just that pine weasel gets slapstick loose. madcap it was including just like the 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 crazy music uh and like because kazoo music yep in there like the weasel cam first person <laughs> shots the Roof from from the from the composer of yeah comes right. <laughs> pine weasel theme <laughs> Audrey like literally falling into Wheeler's arms like it was it was like watching a like seventies celebrity fest you know uh, madcap right you know comedy is is slapstick yep. bonanza is what that felt <laughs> like it was really strange. Yep. Oh, also that scene ends on a heavily reverbed woman's scream. I know. Which is, is such a strange reminder of what this show used to be about. <laughs> except in this case, it's because a fashion show has been interrupted by a wild rodent with kazoo music blaring. I know. that's Earlier in this episode, I think in the fashion show and in some of this other stuff, there were flash bulbs going off. And it was that same thing. Where I'm like, wow, when that used to happen, 
it was because of crime scene that meant something very yeah. different. It was mm-hmm. either just ominous, weird, like the town's underbelly, like seeping mm-hmm. into the electrical wiring, or yeah, a crime scene. But now, <laughs> pine weasel. Mm-hmm. Also, just as an example of just kind of. I don't know, laziness, I suppose. The, the, the woman who screams at the end, you see her from the back in the, in the scenes before that, and she's just kind of standing at the end of the catwalk, not doing anything, just waiting for her mark when it's the shot that is on her to scream. <clears throat> and it just, it, in this attempt to manufacture all of this commotion and like wacky energy, I just sort of noticed this one actress just kind of standing there doing literally nothing just waiting until it was time to scream for some reason and it kind of just bummed me out because it made it just kind of made everything seem even more perfunctory um there's Catherine. yep jones shows up for some reason eckhart's Eckert's assistant jones okay that's the the character's real name well she says her name's she introduces herself as jones i don't know if, We've just been getting a lot of names wrong, and I wanted to make sure because oh, oh, I didn't sorry. remember there being someone named Jones. Yeah, yep. And this was just another, to me, kind of lame conversation in which everything that one character says to the other is intended only as a riposte to the previous thing that was said, and you just don't under, like no actual information is being communicated. I guess that's kind of intentional, and maybe that's fine because these two characters, their whole deal is to constantly be one upping yeah. each other. I don't know. There was no nothing was conveyed in that scene, though. As a result, yeah, I don't know if you. I've got nothing. Yeah, uh, there's, and then that that arc in quotes, I guess, includes Catherine and Ben talking about the pine weasel mm-hmm. briefly. Okay, that that which was a I good liked. scene. I like. Well, that, that was scene. classic. Yeah, that was totally classic. I liked it a lot. I liked that Ben Horton did not have a cigar, so he, the actor had to resort instead to like taking off his glasses right. suggestively and winking and like yeah. theatrically. Yeah, but no, Ben Horton is really good at chewing the scenery and sort of just like inhabiting the space. Yeah, when the two of them are allowed to actually play off each other and there's any amount of substance to the scene, like in this case, Ben claiming, like feigning environmentalist mm-hmm. reform mm-hmm. when they both know that something's afoot. Although Catherine hasn't figured out, it seems like, that the pine weasel is going to screw up Ghostwood. I think she has. Or she, I guess she knows, but they're yeah. both playing like neither well, of them I, knows. I really liked that Ben's whole spiel about remorse and living well, for a while, for, I would say for you know the first half of his delivery of that, you could almost buy it as a genuine entreaty right. on his part. Uh, you know, and it's I, – I, because he just – he just goes for it to such a degree. Right. I love but it. But then he starts just leaning in really close and being yeah, like – Yeah, I wanted to write us a big fat check. Yep. So. Yeah. Really good. Yep. But then the end of anything involving that is... Oh, also... Oh, no. Then the next thing that happens there... we You already talked about Tim Pinkle, the weird, wacky weasel guy. <laughs> Tim Pinkle, the wacky weasel guy. 4 W. Weird, wacky weasel guy. Um, oh, weird, wacky weasel guy. Um, That's 3W. That is 3Ws. But, um, 3WG, they call him. Speaking of Dick Tremaine, who, who I already appreciated in this scene earlier, he has an amazing just succession of faces while Pinkle is talking that are just totally classic Dick Tremaine where he is alternately amused by and repelled by the thing that's happening, but not a a mixture of both. He just goes back and forth between them. It's just, I don't know. I, I, I am growing to appreciate that character as a native denizen of this bizarro world of twin peaks. Unlike most of the other characters who have been slammed into it without, 
Yeah, I know. <laughs> also, Dick Tremaine is probably the longest running one of them because he showed up really yeah. early in season two. It's true. Yep. Uh, so there's Ed and Nadine. This was another scene of just sort of Dr. Jacoby further debased through just nonsensical pop psychology. And then Nadine, the scene ends with Nadine saying, I think I'm blind in my left eye. Yeah, which I took to mean, so... Like Nadine J- is Jacobi, coming back, I right, guess? Right, because Jacoby gives this whole thing about like, oh, you need to introduce reality into her life and then her brain will repair itself. Uh, and so they say, oh, we're getting divorced. And then I took that to mean, okay, that's like one brick rebuilt. Yeah. In just the most simplistic, like, it's just so on the nose. You know, now she realizes she's blind in one eye. Like, okay. Yeah, Nadine's Nadine's whole arc when viewed in full is a bummer to me. Yeah. But, uh. and then she and Mike check into the great Northern. So I guess we finally get our answer as to whether Mike's into it. Yep. That kind of cracks me up. I'm fine with that. Yeah. Yeah. That was, that was fine. I like that. Yeah. She totally destroys the call bell at the counter. Classic Nadine. Smushes it like it's made of foil. Yep. Well, is there anything else in this episode? Oh, there's Annie. Oh yeah, Annie okay, so appears. I, I actually the the that scene the the scene with Annie and Cooper um, is nice because Cooper gets to act like a human being instead of this weird asshole that he is to Truman for no yep. reason. Um, I uh, he's sort of immediately smitten, which at first I was like slightly skeptical of, but I guess really Cooper is pretty much a softie yeah when you come down to it so I'm, I'm totally fine with that um i also really the my favorite thing about that and maybe my favorite moment in the whole episode because again this episode was fairly thin on like really genuine human moments as opposed to like just constructions uh he uh is so pleased to introduce himself as dale cooper local law enforcement yep. which i don't think he's ever done before i think no. this is the first time he's had the ability to introduce himself to a new character without indicating that he's an FBI man. Right, former FBI, but blah, 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 blah. Right. it's just like, yeah. oh, yeah, local law enforcement. Yeah, yep. he liked it. He was he happy was so about into it. it. Yep. So that was nice. I mean, they. I, I feel like they, they played... Yeah, their... he, got, he got to be a person who moved to Twin Peaks a little while ago and liked it enough that he lives here and now he works for law enforcement. Mm-hmm. Like, and that's, now he just that's, identifies that's, as being... Yeah, that's Annie's yeah. perception of him. That was that was good. Mm-hmm. Yep. I feel like they, they probably don't need to hit it as hard with how much he loves her coffee. It seems like... Probably more than we need to get the point, but whatever. I, it was a fine, totally fine scene. Yep. Um, I think that's it. I think we've covered it all. I can't wait to find out why that lady took her clothes off in the bookhouse. <laughs> yeah, and they, what it has to do with Laura Palmer's photo. <laughs> it's true. They did cut to Laura Palmer's photo after that. Yeah. Interesting. The rules of editing and montage say that there is correlation there of some kind. <laughs> Or a thematic juxtaposition. Yeah. I, that's my take, is that it was, in fact, intended as a heavy juxtaposition of something that is meaningful and something that is meaningless. <laughs> Eisenstein yeah. is proud. Um, all right. So here, you want to do a couple emails? We haven't done those in a while. Yeah, let's do some emails. All right. So Felix Cunningham writes, some double play stupidity you missed. Hi, guys. Love the cast. It's been great to watch along with you. In the recent episode about episode 22 slash 21 slash 2.14, Double Play, I was surprised in all the talk about the absolute garbage scene with Lana the Magical Sex Widow and the remaining Milford brother. You missed the most outrageous part. When Cooper and Harry make the two of them talk out their differences alone, they send uh, 
Lana and Dwayne into the room, but Dwayne keeps his gun. Yes, an FBI agent, a sheriff, and his deputies decided the best course of action is to have an armed man be left alone with the person he was just minutes ago making murder threats against. Good going, guys. I'm not sure how Cooper and Harry would have explained it to a judge if that situation had gone bad. Anyway, thanks for the show. Just wanted to remind you guys that scene was even worse than you remembered. Felix Cunningham, Australia. <laughs> yeah, the the Cooper and Truman combined actually are probably not great <laughs> law enforcers. Like, they get results, yeah, but it is not by the books. It's true. It is, in fact, often through very confident-looking, but in practice, incredibly bumbling, weird decisions. Yep. Uh, but charges were dropped against Cooper, so it's okay. Yeah. <laughs> true. Going to Canada and murdering people is fine. Uh, so Matt Humphrey writes, Josie showed up in the wood of the drawer pole because much has been made about the evil in the woods of Twin Peaks and its connection to the Black Lodge. It's heavily implied... Oh, never mind. Sorry. This is going to go into spoiler stuff, so I should not read this right now. Okay. Yeah. Man, are we going to have a spoiler section for the first time in weeks? Yeah, fuck it. You want to do a spoiler section? Yeah. All right. So thanks for listening to Twin Peaks Rewatch. Um, I'm gonna, I was going to say, as always, but it's been so long since we've done this. Um, if you have not heard the few remaining – I've not watched the few remaining episodes of Twin Peaks as well as seen the film uh, Firewalk with me, you should probably stop listening before we uh, go into the spoiler section. Um, if you enjoy the show, why not rate us on iTunes? It really helps a lot. We appreciate the kind reviews that you folks have left. And um, we have a website at TwinPeaksRewatch.com. It has all of the links to all the places we can be found on the internet. Uh, so, yeah, thanks for listening, and we'll be back next week. Here are some spoilers. <gasps> I know. I'm so I excited. missed you, spoiler section. And yeah. do you usually put the spoiler music at the no, end of the I episode? Used, oh, I only I've, use it when we have the spoiler. Then I've also missed a spoiler tune. All right, here it is. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so Matt Humphrey writes, Josie showed up in the wood of the drawer pole because much has been made about the evil of the woods in Twin Peaks and its connection to the Black Lodge. It's heavily implied that the log lady's dead husband also resides within the wood of her log in a similar fashion. There is a scene cut from the last episode where you see Josie's body in the Black Lodge, but her head is not visible as it is on the other side of the red curtains, presumably still in the drawer pole. She is trapped between two worlds. The reason for the long break between this episode and the next was that the show was nearly canceled. The last few episodes were only ever aired thanks to the... COOP, Citizens Opposed to the Offing of Peaks, letter-writing campaign. It was very possible that the last image of the entire series could have been Josie trapped in a drawer pole. If that had happened, I don't think we'd be talking about the show right now. Oh, man. If you enjoy Truman's horrible, angry acting, you're going to love the next episode. Take note of how he'll randomly yell parts of his sentence. It seems the actor doesn't know how to portray anger, so he chooses to yell his lines. Quote, that's the good thing about the law. It doesn't breathe. You can't kill it. I guess that was a Gordon... Cole reading of Truman that I just did. I, quote, I don't think I've ever handed my gun over to anyone in my entire life. End quote. <laughs> Matt Humphrey. Well, man, wow. Okay. That is really bad, and I'm glad that it was cut from the last episode. <laughs> yeah. That does kind of give – didn't you say that you thought the um, – you thought you saw somewhere that Josie in the Wood was a, a David Lynch Oh, that was, said, that was said in the forum somewhere that that was a Lynch – pitch but also i mean the last episode of, of the show is one that i actually want to do some research into before we watch the episode because i know that that episode was written 
I, I believe that it's credited to Frost and Lynch, but I know that at the time of shooting it, Lynch basically kind of said, screw it, and threw most of the script out, and they made up a ton of it over just like a pretty manic period of filming that episode, which is why it's so crazy. But I suspect that Josie's head poking through the curtains, like, I want to, like, obviously this knowledge is known, so I want to go and actually see, sure. uh-huh. like, what was intended, what ended up being shot, and all that stuff. Also, man, I, I forgot about the the Coop letter writing campaign. I'd heard about that before. Like, I don't think I knew about that. Save Twin Peaks has been a thing that's had to happen a lot of times, apparently, including the campaign that's going on right now. Um, oh, that's true, yeah. Because there is a huge petition campaign. There's a bunch of videos going around on the internet. There's all sorts of stuff from Twin Peaks fans trying to get Showtime to pony up and get Lynch back on board. Apparently, mm-hmm. there's stuff going on where... Like the the sort of the word on the street at this point is that Showtime is convinced that they don't need David Lynch or that they're going to try and scrape together like partial involvement from him, like the original run of the show. There's all sorts of just ugh. Anyway, Return of Coop, or as I call it, Harry Truman. <laughs> all right, on that, uh, we will see you guys next week.